And now, K-I-R-P Radio! K-I-R-P Radio! When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to KIRPRadioShow.com. Sunday nights live, 8 p.m. with your host, Rocco P. This is Last Sundays with Rocco P. I am Rocco Pesershi. I want to thank Poggi Miller for the opportunity to use me, RP for the KRP show last Sunday each month. Deeply appreciate Pudgy giving me the opportunity to use his platform, and he places no restrictions on me, and I do uh, deeply appreciate that. Uh, two months ago, I did a show. It was on January 31st, last, last Sunday in January, and I talked about really how evangelicals should vote uh, 
I criticized Marco Rubio, who's obviously out of the race at this time. Some evangelicals, prominent evangelicals, had endorsed him. Uh, I criticized Rafael Ted Cruz. Uh, Ted is his nickname. His real name is Rafael. I think Ted's a nickname based upon his middle name, Edward. Criticized both. I didn't want that episode to just be trashing both of them. I wanted to last on principles. So I just want to stress some principles, really, to give some context to the discussion tonight. And the discussion tonight's about uh, Mormonism, Glenn Beck and Ted Cruz. Glenn Beck is a devout Mormon, and he's been a vocal proponent, vocal supporter of Ted Cruz, to the extent that uh, Glenn Beck has traveled around the country uh, appearing at rallies with Ted Cruz. You know, he's officially he's officially part of the campaign. You can see him. There's videos all over the place. You see the Ted Cruz are present, banners in the background and all. So it's not like uh, when I talk about Glenn Beck, it's not like he's operating as uh, using his platform as a radio talk show host independent of the Cruz campaign. Uh, his He's fully cooperating with the campaign, has been for quite some time. But before I get into the details, I mean, the, the, the main thing was really uh, Glenn Beck basically calling out evangelical Christians, people like myself, for not supporting Ted Cruz and specifically for supporting Donald Trump, saying that that was, uh, that was inconsistent to their faith. It was completely wrong. But let's back up a little bit and talk about how, in general, Christians should vote. Many, many well-meaning Christians take the position that uh, Christians should only support Christians for public office. And I, I understand that, that they see there's a lot of, there's different reasons people could get to that point. Uh, you see the decline in the broader culture. So Christians think, well, part of the problem is those that have civil authority, those are elected to public office. They don't share my worldview. They don't understand um, that there is uh, a moral basis to to everything, especially especially law, and therefore, how could they effectively represent me? How could they be the best representative in civil government if if they don't believe in the same God I do? And I, I really I, I disagree with that point of view uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you look at the federal constitution, there is it's it's a secular compact. In other words. It's not written such that it limits people to hold office that aren't Christians. The majority of the U.S. founding fathers were not Christians. Now, it's a broad discussion I'm not going to get into, but yes, they were deeply influenced by the Bible. They were deeply influenced by someone like John Locke, who was a Christian. So there's no doubt that a lot of their underpinnings, it was they were, they were deeply shaped by a Christian worldview and by Scripture, no doubt. But the majority of them were not believers themselves. You take someone like Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Declaration of Independence in his 30s. And you know, Jefferson was a brilliant man, but he did not believe in the God of the Bible. He was not shy to say that. Now, Jefferson was different than a lot of other people today in that he did believe that it was very good for society, uh, for Christians, to, to, to propagate the Christian religion, even though he didn't believe in Christianity, when I, and when I define my terms again, if I use the term evangelical in its historical sense, the evangel is the good news. So an evangelical is someone of the good news, someone who believes in the gospel. What's the gospel? That God became fully man and remained fully God in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's one God in three persons. Okay, and if, if you want to debate that, you can look at a little bit of Latin. Say it's one usia, three hypostases for those that want to look at the theology deeper. But we're talking about the Trinity. Uh, the God of the Bible is a Trinitarian God. We believe the Bible teaches Trinitarian monotheism, Trinitarian monotheism, the triunity of God. God's one, yet there's God the Father, there's God the Holy Spirit, and there's God the Son. Biblical Orthodox Christianity teaches that that God the Son became fully man, remained fully God. He preexisted. God's eternal. He had no beginning. He has no end. He's immortal. He uh, no no external force compelled God to take on human flesh. Nothing could compel or force Jesus Christ to do that. He took on human flesh, became fully man, remained fully God. He set aside his glory. In a very real sense, he set aside the independent exercise of his will. Uh, that's uh, that's a deeper point. 
and certainly Jesus Christ was like any other human being, but he was sinless. He didn't have a sin nature. He never sinned. And I would argue he could not sin. Some people who hold, who you want to look at the finer points of theology, they say that he was impeccable. He couldn't sin. So when someone looked at Christ Jesus walking the earth, you might see him perform a miracle, but he was he was a man, yet he was fully God. The essence of Christianity is that that happened, and then Christ went to the cross. The Bible says he had power to lay down his life. He had power to take it up. No external force could compel God to do anything he did not want to do. Out of his grace, meaning his unmerited favor, he took upon the sins of the world. He paid the penalty for sins of the world. As you approach God, everyone in, in, in humanity, mankind, everyone approaches God guilty. Uh, we sin by nature. We sin by choice. We, we're not uh, sinners because we sin. Uh, we sin because we're sinners. In other, we're, in other words, we're born spiritually dead with a sin nature opposed and hostile to God and His holiness and who He is. So Christ took upon Himself human flesh, was sinless, and then he died. He accepted the penalty of death for his sins, for the sins of the world. Uh, everyone everyone who's ever born, if you only remember one thing about the show tonight, okay, I'm preaching now at this point, remember everyone who's ever been born will be in one place for eternity. You'll either be in heaven or hell. There's no in between. Uh, there's no purgatory. Uh, there's no, You don't get a second chance after you die. Mormons believe that, among other things. No. You're either going to be in heaven or hell forever. And as some preachers have said, there's no exercise in hell. You never get out. So Christ came because of his grace, because of his unmerited favor, because of his mercy towards people, because of his love. He came. He came to save people. So that is the gospel. You have to repent. You have to believe that you are a sinner, that God sees. You have to look at yourself from God's perspective. Uh, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to make yourself acceptable or pleasing to God. You could only admit that you have sinned, you've offended God, and you deserve punishment to the point that you deserve eternal hell. A lot of people reject Christianity because they don't like the doctrine of eternal hell, but Christ spoke more of hell and heaven. But that is the gospel if you want. If you want to read about the gospel in detail, you could read the book of Romans in the New Testament. You could read 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, uh, Christ proved who he was in the flesh because he not only died, he rose from the dead. Uh, 1 Corinthians records that over 500 people, when Paul wrote that book, over 500 people were alive that had seen the risen Christ. No other world religion has a risen Savior. Uh, no other world religion has the Christian concept of grace, God's unmerited, unearned, unearned or undeserved favor that says you cannot please God on your own. You can only respond to him in faith. God, God does it all. Okay, that's the gospel. So, when the founding fathers wrote the Constitution, they didn't write the document such that there's a test that only professing believers could be in government. I think they were aware of the fact, besides the fact that most of them were, were lost. They understood what happened in war up until 1648. Uh, there was religious wars in Europe. And they really they did not want that in uh, in North America, but if you look at the colonies and really the states were in one sense independent states until they formed the Union, until uh, really the Articles of Confederation, until the, the well the American Revolution, the Articles of Confederation, which was the first constitutional compact, the state some of the states definitely had a religious test. In North Carolina, for example, uh, the the religion of North Carolina was the Church of England or the Anglicans. We call them Episcopalians now. And for some Christians that want to have a a romantic view about the fact that they would really like to regain that, they thought that they think it would be better uh, the way it was in the past, you have to look at what had happened. And we, we don't even have to go back to Europe and, and the problems between states that adopted a religion and fought against one another. We don't have to go back that far. You just look at the American experience. In North Carolina... If you weren't a member of the Church of England or an Anglican or an Episcopalian, you wanted to get married, uh, you had a problem because the state of North Carolina only recognized marriage through the Church of England. So you had to petition to be able to get legally married, yes. In, in Virginia, another state that was controlled by the Anglicans or the Episcopalians or the Church of England, they did not look kindly upon Baptists 
<laughs> the, the Anglicans openly persecuted Baptists to the point of beating them and imprisoning them at times in Virginia. So you had, then you had states like uh, Pennsylvania, William Penn, and he didn't have religious tests. He opened it up to, he opened it up to all groups. And you, know, you had you know, a number of different groups flocked there. You had Mennonites uh, that had flocked there. A uh, number of different groups, uh, Amish and others, went to Pennsylvania. So we don't see, number one, we don't see that in in Constitution that only believers could rule. Secondly, I think it's a logical fallacy, well-meaning people that say a Christian should only support Christians. They forget they forget the fact that uh, people that know Christians know, okay, people, you know, like some slogans that say Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. But they know there's issues with Christians in business, uh, where, where you know, there's thing what we call biblically sin, uh, in churches themselves. How many Christians uh, go through church splits and they see open sin tolerated in churches and people that are leaders not doing what's right? So to me, it's really... It's really short-sighted to say, well, if someone is a Christian and they're running for office, then they're going to be moral. <laughs> that's that's logically fallacious. In other words, it's just not true. I think history bears that up. It's just simply not true. So even if you just had Christians running for office, even though it's not mandated by the Constitution, they won't necessarily rule right. And then furthermore, this idea that Christians should only support Christians uh, – it really is it's, it's historically erroneous because when the Constitution was adopted, uh, it's, it's just not there. So how could you say if if you're in some Christians would say, well, you know, the Bible supersedes any any law of man, and of course it does. But I mean, there's different spheres of influence. Okay, so the uh, one basically saying outright that the church isn't given uh, to uh, control the state. You know, that's not there. You had some experiment like that in theocracy after after the Reformation. But yeah, you, know, you just you don't see that in the New Testament. You don't see Christians commanded to take over or run, you know, civil governments or you know, secular governments just not there. So you have all these ideas that really that work against the fact when some people make the make the declaration or the proclamation that it's only right that Christians support Christians. It's not only isn't in the Constitution, but the Christians that were alive in that day, people like Patrick Henry, uh, you can't find them saying that. Why would they agree to a secular government? Or they believed logically that Christians should only support Christians, that only Christians should rule in a, in, 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 a, in a secular in a government that was set up as secular. Why was government construed as secular? Why was the Constitution written like that? Why did they submit to a Declaration of Independence written by? An infidel written by Thomas Jefferson. It makes no sense. But having said all that, and again, if you only remember one thing tonight, I hope you get the gospel. I hope you get that. I hope you get that right. You could do. You could do some. Uh, you go online. You could go to Ray Comfort's site. I believe it's Need God. You do uh, do a startpage.com or duckduckgo.com. Search needgod.com or needgod.org. You could go to gty.org, John MacArthur's site. And uh, you can look at an article, Who Do You Say That I Am, if you want more information about the gospel. But getting back to what we're dealing with today, you have Glenn Beck, who's come up as devout Mormon, and he's been extremely vocal, not just supporting Ted Cruz, you know, of course, that that's his right, but now he uh, he's gotten more irrational, for here you have a Mormon then telling evangelical Christians that they're wrong. It's against their faith. It's against belief in their God if they don't support Ted Cruz. And uh, I reject that. Again, I just laid out the reason that Christians shouldn't just support Christians. But I, I would also suggest that Ted Cruz's faith, if it is real, I, I do question the legitimacy of his faith in the Lord Jesus. I question uh, the authenticity that he believes in the same God I do. I, I question the authenticity he believes in the Bible that I do. Because if he did, I think he would immediately denounce Glenn Beck saying those things, and he would further denounce Glenn Beck has also said that he believes Ted Cruz is fulfillment of Mormon prophecy. That's correct. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll listen to some clips by uh, at least one clip by Glenn Beck. By Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck believes Ted Cruz is the fulfillment of Mormon prophecy, and you think if Ted Cruz believed in the God of the Bible. It would really be more important than his election to make sure that people don't believe in a false god, 
but there's no pushback, there's no correction. Uh, Ted Cruz himself in his campaign has no problem with Glenn Beck making these outrageous, outrageous, and I'd even say heretical assertions that Ted Cruz is the fulfillment of Mormon prophecy. Uh, it's just, it's uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, okay, I don't I don't just want to beat up on Ted Cruz. But again, when I say I question his faith, uh, Christians aren't perfect, but Ted Cruz as a politician has always been an insider. Okay, he's always been an insider. Uh, he worked for George W. Bush, the first administration. <clears throat> you know, he was involved in Texas government. He's he was an insider. Okay, George, uh, you know, Rafael Ted Cruz was an insider. So it's disingenuous when he runs as an outsider. They've he's created uh, this this really uh, mythology that you know he's a constitutional conservative, and yeah, he he's opposing the establishment. Uh, Ted Cruz is 100% establishment. Even if his faith was completely, I had no reason to question his faith, and I do for a number of reasons, especially him not denouncing this stuff about uh, being the film for Mormon prophecy. I, I couldn't accept, I couldn't support Ted Cruz because of his positions. But but when you look, you look at this character stuff again, Glenn Beck, and uh, who's a Mormon, but as, as well as other well-meaning Christians want to support Ted Cruz and. They say, well, it's better to support Ted Cruz as a Christian in spite of his flaws than someone like Trump who's godless. Okay, you can make that point. Yeah, uh, it, it's sad. Jonathan Falwell endorsed Trump, and again, yeah, I, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I would I endorse Trump, but it's sad that Jonathan Falwell then tried to say Trump was born again. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was outrageous. That was ridiculous. I mean, Jonathan Fowell knows the Bible better. Yeah, so Donald Trump is a lot of things, but he is he is not a born again Christian. Uh, but Jonathan Fowell took that path. Uh, Ted Cruz had announced at Liberty University. Jonathan Fowell is a president of Liberty University. Jonathan Fowell's father was Jerry Fowell. If you know a little bit about the history of the Moral Majority, and uh, originally Liberty Baptist. Uh, Liberty University was Liberty Baptist College. It was a small, independent Baptist school affiliated with fundamentalism, people like Bob Jones, the second and third. And then when uh, Jerry Fell got into problems with debt, uh, he pretty much accepted state funding and became a Southern Baptist. So that that's uh, that's really the truth, but I digress. The point is, no, no, I, I, you don't have to. It, it would be ridiculous to say uh, when Trump has said he doesn't need the forgiveness of God, among other things, say he's a Christian. I support Trump because I think he most, on the issues he most clearly would line up with respect to the rule of law. I mean, I, he's a non-interventionist. He doesn't believe in foreign wars. Uh, he's, he's held that position. You can say he's been all over the map. He's held that position for a very long time. I believe it was during the first Iraq war. Uh, Maybe in the second one, he took out a full-page ad in the New York Times saying it was wrong for the U.S. to be involved. And history has borne him out. Uh, Donald Trump has said things like when people have criticized him about not supporting U.S. intervention in Syria, he's basically looked in the eye and used common sense and said, how has U.S. intervention gone in Iraq? Uh, now Iraq's a hotbed of, uh, of terrorism. It was a stable country under Saddam Hussein. And initially, uh, the U.S. government put Saddam Hussein in power. Uh, we don't talk about how Christians have been persecuted in Iraq since the U.S. invasion. Now, that is correct. Christian, Christian persecution has has increased massively since the U.S. invasion. Why? Saddam Hussein was a secular leader, and after the U.S. intervened, the U.S. Trans, helped transform Iraq into an Islamic republic. Life has been a lot worse for Christians in Iraq, but a lot of American Christians don't know that. I digress. But on the issues, I, I would support take, uh, I would support Donald Trump over Ted Cruz. But there is there is this idea that Ted Cruz, uh, yeah, Ted Cruz has always been honest. Like I said, he is uh, he has not been an outsider. He's been an insider from day one. You look at his background again. I covered some of this material in the past two months ago. His wife works for Goldman Sachs. Yeah, it's the shadow government. You talk about Goldman Sachs, both political parties at the top. You have financial interests behind them. Goldman Sachs is one of them. His wife was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. And again, you talk about this phrase, the shadow government, the people that transcend both parties. You have both Republicans and Democrats in the Council on Foreign Relations, and that dictates a lot of U.S. policy. Heidi Cruz worked on the North American Union. 
okay, merged in Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. But look at Ted Cruz. I'm, I'm going to play. I'm going to play one video of Rafael Ted Cruz, and this underscores really a lot of where Ted Cruz is at. It's about four minutes, and this these are statements from Ted Cruz in 2011 and 2015 on birthright citizenship. Okay, so in other words, how you interpret the 14th Amendment. Does the 14th Amendment mean that if if someone is born in the United States and their parents weren't, weren't U.S. citizens, they get citizenship? Yes or no? Okay, in 2011, Ted Cruz says, you know, from dogmatically, you'll hear him, yes. Then 2015, he said no. And it'd be one thing if he changed his position, but you'll clearly hear in this video that Ted Cruz lied. Because he said in 2015 that he never had the position that he had in 2011. The 14th Amendment was brought up in here to every candidate, and not one of them responded actually to it. Um, there's people that, that want, and in fact, again, on our Republican Party platform, um, that they want us to look at and reassess uh, whether or not we should um, allow birthright citizenship. Uh, give me your thoughts on that. Look, I have spent my professional career defending the Constitution. I served five and a half years as the Solicitor General of Texas, the Chief Lawyer for the State of Texas in front of the U.S. Supreme Court, and I've repeatedly defended the Constitution. The 14th Amendment provides for birthright citizenship. I've looked at the legal arguments against it, and I will tell you, as a Supreme Court litigator, those arguments are not very good. As much as someone may dislike the policy of birthright citizenship, it's in the U.S. Constitution. And I don't like it when federal judges set aside the Constitution because their policy preferences are different. And so my view... I think it's a mistake for conservatives to be focusing on trying to fight what the Constitution says on birthright citizenship. I think we are far better off focusing on securing the border because birthright citizenship wouldn't be an issue if we didn't have people coming in illegally. The way to prevent that is to secure the border now so that people are, are not coming in contrary to law. It's just a matter of how are we going to do that. That's, that's what everyone wants to know. Senator, thank you so much. We know you're really busy. We're going to get to it. It's great to be with you. Uh, thank you. One of the hottest topics and uh, one of the most uh, pressing issues facing our country is immigration and yeah. particularly birthright citizenship. Yeah. And there's yeah. been a lot of discussion, even from you. Tell us where you are on birthright citizenship now. Well, I think we need to end birthright citizenship. As, as a policy matter, it doesn't make any sense that we should be incentivizing illegal immigration. That there's no reason that federal law should state that if someone is here illegally, that their children are automatically U.S. citizens. And I'll note, you know, I'm glad people are talking about this now. Uh, obviously, one of the impacts of Donald Trump being in this race is it forces the media to talk about kind of whatever he talks about. Right. Uh, and so he recently came out against birthright citizenship. I, I've had that position for many years. Back in 2011, when I was running for the U.S. Senate, uh, call that. Yes. Uh, I said very explicitly that the 14th Amendment provides for birthright citizenship. I've looked at the legal arguments against it, and I will tell you, as a Supreme Court litigator, those arguments are not very good. And I'll note, you know, I'm glad people are talking about this now. Uh, obviously, one of the impacts of Donald Trump being in this race is it forces the media to talk about kind of whatever he talks about. As much as someone may dislike the policy of birthright citizenship, it's in the U.S. Constitution. And I don't like it when federal judges set aside the Constitution because their policy preferences One of the are impacts different. of Donald Trump being in this race is it forces the media to talk about kind of whatever he talks about. Right. Uh, and so he recently came out against birthright citizenship. I, I've had that position for many years, back in 2011 when I was running for the U.S. Senate. We recall that, yes. uh, I said very explicitly then we should end birthright citizenship, and I think that's the right position. And so my uh, view, I think it's a mistake for conservatives to be focusing on trying to fight what the Constitution says on birthright citizenship. I think we are far better off focusing Okay, so there, there you see it. Uh, to me, it, it's really, it's really entertaining because you know they're 
Cruz has really based his whole election on cornering the evangelical vote. As I said before, he he not only declared first, he declared at Liberty University, which I've heard is the world's largest evangelical uh, university, I'm not sure. But then Jonathan Fowle endorsed Trump. <laughs> uh, Ted Cruz lost South Carolina. Yeah, strong evangelical voters there, strong number of evangelical voters. But you have you have this presentation of Ted that yeah, he's he's God's man, you know, we'll get into what the Mormon Glenn Beck said and what you know, how the Mormon God is different from the God of the Bible, radically different. Radically different. Uh but this idea that they market Ted and you'll have sounds like trust Ted. <laughs> trust Ted. Uh, how can you trust someone who is such a blatant liar? Uh, like I said, now again, pl- please don't, please don't misinterpret me. Uh, who do you vote for? Yeah, you, you use use a criteria again. My criteria is what person is going to most clearly or most likely conform to the rule of law, and the highest the highest rule of law, the Constitution. Uh, but I I would by no stretch of the imagination criticize anyone Christian or otherwise who uh who's gonna vote for Ted Cruz who you believe in the issues, yeah, he lines up better. But I do take issue. I, I, I do seriously reject this idea that because Ted Cruz merely says he's an evangelical Christian, that he can be trusted. Uh he he he's lied numerous times. That that little piece of birthright citizenship is awesome. If you looked it up on YouTube, you just you could just uh, search Ted Cruz uh, birthright citizenship. It'll pop up. Uh, again, that he changed his position because obviously, if that's the case, then uh, Trump obviously yeah, Trump's been all over the map, no doubt. But you have someone who just lied. I mean, he says. He never supported, he never believed in birthright citizenship. He did. <laughs> from 2011 when he was running for the Senate, and then 2000, uh, 2015 when he was running for president. And and here's something else uh, some people have, have, haven't looked into this, is that this is a guy who just, denounced, who just renounced his Canadian citizenship about two years ago. So when he was elected to the U.S. Senate, he was still, he was still a citizen of Canada. That's correct. He joined citizenship, and then he did, then he renounced it. So yeah, I would also argue, based upon the Constitution, that's another issue that he's not a natural-born citizen. But I'm not going to go into all that tonight. But those articles are out there. Uh, I, I think it's it's it is clear to me uh, that that if he was elected, he's, I don't don't believe he's going to be elected. But if he was, uh, he would open himself up to lawsuits. So. Uh, no, no, I, I just, I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't trust Ted. And you say, well, do I trust Donald Trump? Uh, uh, I'm not going to buy a used car off of him, so to speak. But no, you have to look at the issues as far as what your criteria is for voting. But what, again, I'm talking about tonight is this idea that is it right that, uh, is there any credibility for for a Mormon, for Glenn Beck, to then say, Christians are wrong, particularly evangelicals, those who believe the Bible, those who believe in the true gospel, that they are they are wrong in their faith, they're denying their faith for not supporting Ted Cruz, and of course I I completely I completely disagree. Another thing, another aspect of this story with Beck is this, is that uh and I've said this before on the show, every four years they manipulate us. I'm saying they, the powers that be, the two-party system, I could say the New World Order, and they try and get us all riled up, try and get us all excited about a presidential race where at the end of the day, it's very difficult to change Washington because of the amount of money it takes to run. And you see now, and that's another reason I support Trump, who's the person that the entire political establishment is against? It's not. It's not Ted Cruz. In fact, Ted Cruz has been endorsed by Lindsey by Lindsey Graham, a total establishment Republican. He's been endorsed now by Jeb Bush, and makes sense because uh, Ted Cruz worked for Jeb Bush, as did his wife. His wife worked for Condoleezza Rice. Well, well, for George W. Bush, Ted's brother, Jeb's brother. So, uh, the entire political establishment is against Trump. So that tells me this is the person. The best bet goes to the person who they don't control. I think it's that simple. China has has made public statements against Trump. 
Mexico has made former President Vicente Fox of Mexico has twice denounced Trump. They're not concerned about what anyone else is running, any, any other Democrat or Republican. They're only focused on Trump. That tells you the power structure is uh, they don't want they don't want Trump as president. And to me, that that says a lot. But one way they lie, one way the system lies to us is this: uh, they get us to focus on D.C., where we have the least the least chance of really making any significant change uh, because of the amount of money it takes to run for Congress or the House of Representatives or the Senate. Very difficult, very difficult to get honest honest people elected. And that's part of the problem, you know, that we're facing. So the best bet for really changing government is from the top down, is from the bottom down, not the top up. In other words, you start out with local government, work on municipal government, particularly county government, county board of commissioners, your sheriffs, unless you live in Connecticut and you don't have sheriffs, and your state legislators. But if you focus on especially municipal, especially county and your state government, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot easier to change things. And I've used this analogy before when if you live in North Carolina, you can walk up to the, into the General Assembly, and it's not uncommon without having a point. You can just sit down with a state senator or state rep if they're not busy. That's not going to happen in Washington, D.C. You have those in the House of Representatives since they fixed the number at 435 uh, members of the House of Representatives. Each representative is representing about 800,000 people. So you're normally not going to walk into a U.S. Congressman's office now. You're not going to walk to U.S. Senator's office uh, and actually get a hearing. It's probably not going to ever happen. So, But another way they lie to us is that they, they try and scare us, and, and Glenn Beck has done this. I'm going to play a clip where they say every, every four years, it's the most important election of our lives. Every four years, yeah, the the history of the world rests upon the presidential election. Now, the the president has far too much power, right? There's a lot of changes in U.S. law. You could go way back. You could go back to the war between the states, which I would call the war of northern aggression, totally illegal, where uh, Lincoln and the Union, they decided to illegally invade the South. Uh, there's nothing in the Constitution that said a state, a state could leave. There's nothing, nothing there. So the states left. They left over economic reasons, and then that was that was twisted. That was really misrepresented to say that uh, it was just about slavery when you, know, you, you had you know, a number of prominent people in the South that they had rejected slavery. And here's something they never teach in history books. Uh, the Confederate forces had integrated you had blacks fighting with whites and Confederate forces in the North. They had segregated units. Okay, so who, who's who's really who's racist? Yeah, they that, but they don't teach you that in the history books. In any case, there's many laws that have been passed after the war of Northern aggression, especially after World War II, the National Security Act that really has transformed the office of the president to a dictatorship. So the president has far too much powers. It doesn't the modern president today. Is, looks nothing like what the president described as his duties, his responsibilities in the Constitution. But having said that, every four years they lie and they say this is this is the most important election of our lives. So I guess if you believe that every four years becomes it's becomes more important because every election is the most important one. And they say they try and manipulate people, saying, "Well, you have to vote this way, or uh, yeah, it's going to be horrible." And and I would say, if a Willard Mitt Romney was elected, he wouldn't have done much different than Obama, really. Would not have done much different than Barack Hussein Obama. And uh, as much as I do despise what Hillary Clinton stands for and the fact that she should be in jail now over uh, yeah, <laughs> those illegal emails, and the, just, the Obama Justice Department at this point won't indict until they got the goods on her. But as much as I despise Hillary Clinton, if... She was elected. I really don't see her doing that much worse than Ted Cruz. Uh, it, it, it's the same. It's the same game, and I, that may shock some people, but it's it's really the same. I think Trump's the only one who's controlled. In any case, though, don't let don't let people tell you. And Glenn Beck did this that uh, this is the most important election of your lifetime. Okay, yeah. You know, ch- check out the sensationalism. I think this manipulation by Glenn Beck. Old. I mean, I'm 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 going to be in Arizona and Utah this weekend for the campaign, and um, I'm doing it because that's what I can do. Others can do whatever it is you do, but it, even if it's one person, you be bold. 
We're, we're on the Titanic. It's going down. Knock on every single door. They don't want to come? Fine. Don't waste time. The Titanic is going down. But you knock on every single door. Can I tell you about the truth? Can I tell you about the truth? Can I tell you about the truth? Because here's what's coming. Here's what's coming. They don't want to hear it to them. But remember what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel, he, you will be held responsible. This is the thing I don't understand from religious people. I just don't get it. To much, we've been given much. Much is required. Required, not expected, required. Beyond that, Ezekiel talks about these times and says, basically, everybody in your own way, you're a watchman on the tower. You're a watchman at the gate. And the blood of the people who could have been saved, now think of this, because we're talking about the rights of all mankind. If America goes down, this isn't hyperbole anymore. This isn't like a famous Reagan speech that he gave. If we go away, where does anybody go? This is real. If we go away, where is freedom? So all of the freedom that will be lost, all of the lives that will be lost because we refuse to pay attention on our hands. Right there you hear, there you see Glenn Beck. And yeah, he's trying to, he's trying to yeah, use fear. Saying, yeah, that this is it. Yeah, he uses some of the Bible, quotes the Old Testament, quotes the New Testament. New Testament, too much is given, much is required. Quotes Ezekiel, Watchman on the Wall, I believe. Talks about blood there. And uh, that's in the context, really, of telling people about eternal life, not voting for Ted Cruz, uh, or not voting, not voting, period. But I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back, talk, uh, talk a little bit about Mormonism, uh, and then... Look again as far as what had Beck said, what Beck had said, and some of the uh, some of the response to that. Uh, but we'll take a break now. How many more innocent people? How many more? How many more? What has been the number one cause of unnatural death in history? Democide or death by government has killed 290 million people on record. Look it up. Go look it up. In the 20th century government murdered four times as many people as were killed in all the international and domestic wars combined. USSR, 61,911,000 people killed. Hitler's Germany, nearly 21 million people killed. Japan's imperialism, nearly 6 million people killed. Western colonization killed over 50 million people. Pol Pot's Cambodia, funded by the U.S. government. Two million people killed. China's Communist Party, as many as 76 million people killed between 1949 and 1987. And the list goes on and on. Demand to know why the Department of Homeland Security bought more than 1.6 billion hollow-point bullets. How many more people does government have to kill? Enough. Enough. Demand an end to citizen disarmament. As an American. As an American citizen. As a patriot. For your children. Enough of the people laying down and letting government kill them in mass after disarming them as they've done throughout history over and over again. Now is the time. It's time. It's time to realize that when the government takes your guns, people die. It's time to realize the biggest threat to you and your family is government. It's time to recognize. Government is the greatest killer of all time. Demand they show you the word hunting in the Second Amendment. Demand our politicians uphold the Constitution and Bill of Rights as they swore to when they took office. It's time for our leaders to read the Constitution. It's time for our leaders to obey the Constitution. The Constitution. The Constitution. Because a well-regulated militia with 10-round magazines wouldn't last very long. So now you know the most dangerous thing to you and your family in the world is government. Because mass murderers agree, gun control works. When you're looking for real truth, real talk radio, make sure you log on to KIRP Radio. K-I-R-P And I forgot phone number to call in. If you'd like to call in, 619-638-8559, 
5-9. I forget to do that far too often. Uh, what's Mormonism? Uh, Mormonism was a religion invented by Joseph Smith and then propagated by Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, by uh, verifiable historical accounts, was a charlatan, had been arrested more than once, and he invented this religion. There's different versions about how he started it, uh, that he was told by an angel or a celestial being Moroni to find these plates and the spectacles. I think there's like eight different versions about how he found the plates, how he found the spectacles, what you heard. starts out with the Book of Mormon, and then Mormon doctrine then advanced and really degenerated. Uh, it got far worse with two other documents, the uh, Pearl of Great Price and the book and uh, another one. Uh, the other one is, I believe, Doctrine and Covenants. Doctrine and Covenants. And it, it, it further, it just further degenerated. Uh, the Mormon God is not the God of the Bible. It is not the God of the Bible. Uh, I'm quoting from a nice summary from uh, my friend Andrew Rappaport's book, What Do They Believe? What Do They Believe? And he calls that a systematic theology in major Western religions. If you want to get a copy, you go for Striving for eternity.org striving for eternity.org he has a nice little chart as far as comparing major uh, uh, major doctrines what, what Mormonism believes Okay, Mormonism, Mormonism teaches there are many gods they reject the God of the Bible they reject Trinitarian monotheism or the triunity of God that God's one uh, they say the Trinity is three separate gods According, uh, according to Mormon doctrine, God is increasing in knowledge. He's not omnipotent. He doesn't know all. They say God has the form of a man, and they're not talking about the fact that Jesus Christ became man, remained God. They say hell is not eternal. You get a second chance. A lot of cults believe that. You get you get a second shot. And they uh, they basically polygamy was taught in practice by Mormonism. Historically, that that's how the uh, the state of Utah, when Mormonism started in New York State, then spread. They settled in Utah. It was a province at the time. It wasn't a state. And when Utah became a state, more the Church, the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints (LDS), Mormon Church, they were supposed to give up uh, polygamy. Most did. Uh, some didn't to this day. The uh, there's all these there's all these doctrines that obviously contradict the uh, the God of the Bible. It is a false gospel if you read Galatians chapter one verses eight and nine. In the strongest language, anyone that preaches false gospel is anathema. Okay, so it's uh, think about that in the context when Glenn Beck says some of these things. This is from this is from a recent. Um, this was published on March 21st, uh, and he's making these statements at an official cruise campaign event. In the back it says, you know, big banner up, you know, choose cruise. Let me testify to you now. For this time, in this land, and it explains exactly what it's going to look like when trouble comes. And I don't know about you, but I can put new names against old names in the stories, and it all works. So here's what I'm saying to you. The reason why I'm bringing this up, and I've been wanting to say this for a very long time.
so there you have it. Uh, one thing I didn't mention about Mormonism, and you know, Beck kind of he implied a little bit there, is that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, uh, they believe that at one point they adopted the position that the Constitution is perfect. Okay, that uh, that is not the case. Uh, if you do there's problems in the Constitution. It was a great document. The Articles of Confederation were better. I say that because the Constitution made the federal government more powerful. So that's why I would say that uh, it's uh, it's far from perfect document, but it is the highest law of the land. And uh, certainly I wouldn't want to have the current characters in Washington and the current characters in the state houses change it. Some people want to push an Article 5 convention, which we've never had a convention to change the Constitution. The Constitution has been amended. They've never had a convention, so I wouldn't trust people to change it in spite of, uh, in spite of the weaknesses of the Constitution. What, 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 what would be the weaknesses of the Constitution? Okay, there's nothing in it explicitly that says a state can leave. What they could have done to ensure or to help, uh, to help curb the growth of the federal government, because they, they knew that inevitably. You look at the debate between the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. You had Federalists like Alexander Hamilton. They wanted a stronger federal government, uh, stronger than what was presented by the Articles of Confederation. Then you had the Anti-Federalists uh, like Patrick Henry, very suspicious, and they saw they saw the rag on the wall, so to speak. They knew that whatever powers the federal government had, it was going to grow, and it did metastasize. Well, how could they have put in more? You know, they got they got the Bill of Rights. Okay, the Constitution was only ratified by the states based upon the promise of the Bill of Rights, which was great. Negative affirmations, clarifying certain things the federal government couldn't do. Period. And that's good. That's good to remember. Our rights are natural. We have natural rights. They're from God. You don't believe in God. You have them because you're a human. But what else could they have done in the Constitution? Very simply, they could have had a clause that said every 10 years a state would have to re- would have to ratify that they'd stay in the union, or they would automatically they automatically be gone. That'd be great because then how could you really get the government to grow that much? And that would force the issue at the state level when you have all these politicians, both the federal and the state level, talk about federal overreach, and then you know all they do is help it. Like like in North Carolina, you have people like Dan Forrest, who's a professing Christian, and yeah, he said he wants public public school teachers, government school teachers in North Carolina, to be among the highest paid in the nation. Yet there's no authority in the federal constitution for education. So how, how, how would you stop, how would you slow down federal, federal overreach if you really opposed it? Well, right now, you, ch- you could, short of changing state constitutions, like in North Carolina, it says you have to have uh, government schools, you could stop accepting federal funds for education to shrink the schools. But uh, a great thing they could have put in the, the constitution originally, again, is just say, yes, you know, states, states would have to, every 10 years, would have to say if they want to stay in. If not, they leave, and you, know, you just walk away. Goodbye. Uh, so, no, no, the, the constitution is not a perfect docu- document. Uh, Glenn Beck has made these statements, again, I just played it, saying how Christians, uh, Christians are basically not being faithful to their God for not supporting Ted Cruz. And, uh, at one level, for me, that's that's humorous. At another level, it's disgusting because here you have a guy who believes that Jesus is created being, and another part of Mormonism, you know, doctrines developed later after the Book of Mormonism. Again, you look at documents like uh, the Pearl of Great Price, which is authoritative doctrine and covenants. They said basically, yet saying is Jesus' brother. So they have they have God who they have God who is an omnipotent. Uh, they don't believe in the God of the Bible as Trinity. They believe Jesus was created being. Uh, <laughs> and they basically say we could become gods. And you get a second. Uh, hell is, you're basically getting out in hell. You get a second chance. So here he is telling me that I, uh, to my God, for not supporting Ted Cruz. Uh, it's uh, It's sad because he makes these statements, and there's been so many... So many evangelical leaders that have endorsed Cruz, and again, I respect their right to do that, but it goes back to the centrality of what your belief system is. Uh, whoever wins any, whoever wins or loses any election, if I was an evangelical leader and I'm endorsing someone, I would not want to misrepresent the gospel. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to 
have it be communicated that the person I'm supporting, that that's equivalent to believing in the gospel. And also if that person said or did things that were contrary to the gospel, uh, that would be something that would have to be addressed. But people people don't want to do that. Interesting, uh, Robert Jeffries is a pastor of uh, of a large Baptist church, Southern Baptist Church, First Baptist in Dallas. And he's he's spoken at rallies with Trump. He's technically hasn't endorsed them. And uh he he responded to that statement by back all throughout the South Evangelicals are not listening to their God. And uh Jeffrey said what Beck's wacko comment speaks for herself this is from Breitbart piece dated March twenty third. However, by using the phrase their God to refer to the God we we evangelical Christians worship Beck is finally admitting that the true God of the Bible is different than the God of the Book of Mormon. I congratulate Beck for his honesty in differentiating between the two. However, I am somewhat puzzled that Beck claims to know how the God Christians worship should vote in the Republican primaries. So really, Beck kind of implied that, but yeah, he didn't. He's obviously like other Mormons. He doesn't talk about yeah. He doesn't talk about all the uh, the filthy heresies they believe. He doesn't publicly talk about the fact he believes Jesus is created being. That Satan is Jesus' brother. That uh, if he's a devout Mormon, that he's wearing he's wearing the sacred Mormon underwear. Uh, he's he's not talking about any of that stuff. Uh, and that we become gods. You know, he wouldn't talk about that stuff. Uh, this was interesting. One uh, one academic made a comment. He says, assuming that Mr. Beck is referring to evangelicals vote for Trump, I would make distinction that Beck does not. The Bible certainly offers principles on how to think about government politics. The Bible does not, however, tell us which individual candidates to vote for. That's by uh, Thomas S. Kidd, Distinguished Professor of History and Associate Director of the Institute for Studies of Religion at Bella University in Waco, Texas. So I uh, tend to agree with him. Some some more quotes from that piece. Beck is not reticent. I thought this was excellent. Beck is not reticent. In other words, he doesn't hide it. Beck's not reticent about pushing his moral faith which from the evangelical perspective is heretical. Apparently, Cruz has no discomfort being called the fulfillment of a false prophecy. You know, Beck did say that. The fact that evangelicals have not fully embraced Cruz, but Mormons have, is troubling someone who voted for Cruz, but now questions the decision. <laughs> that was uh, that was interesting. Uh, now, Beck, uh, Beck took, it, put, took it a step further. Again, he did... He did make those. Uh, he did make that statement, uh, really about uh, you know Cruz is fulfilling Cruz is fulfilling uh, Mormon prophecy, and again Cruz has never distanced himself for that, and that's really disconcerting. And as I said before, uh, Cruz Ted Cruz is a politician. He's been a consummate insider. His wife was high powered, high level insider too, and yet Ted Cruz is a liar. And if he is born again, which I sincerely doubt, it is it's really bad i mean it's horrifically bad that he's not it's more important for him to get votes than to distance himself from the idiocy really the the heresy that uh, that Glenn Beck is saying that he's fulfilling this moral prophecy uh Breitbart wrote another piece on March bright Breitbart published another piece on march twenty fifth Glenn Beck triples down no real Christian says I want that guy, Donald Trump. Uh, Beck is expanding his attacks on Trump supporters beyond the evangelicals to now include all Christians and Jews who back the GOP frontrunner, as the Hill reported. Glenn Beck on Thursday suggested that GOP presidential frontrunner Donald Trump is incompatible with Christians who take their faith seriously. This is what Beck said. No Christian, no real Christian, I don't mean a judgmental Christian, I mean somebody, I mean somebody who's living their faith, no real Christian says, I want that guy, that guy is for me. He said during a broadcast of his radio show, nobody, nobody. Beck also argued America is moving away from his Christian underpinnings, causing myriad moral and social problems nationwide. Maybe he should talk about how high suicide is in Utah you know, with Mormons. He didn't talk about that problem. I honestly don't know what else to do, he said. We have got to be a people of principles. We are a Christian nation. Are we really, Beck asked, then why are we in so much trouble? Why do we have the same kind of problems that non-Christian nations do with pornography and drugs and everything else? We should be setting an example if we're actually living a Christian faith. The problem is all we say we're living. The problem is we all say we're living a Christian faith. We're not living a Christian faith. (laughs) I'll take, and Beck said, I'll take on the Jews. I'll take on the Lutherans. I'll take on the Catholics. I'll take on the Mormons. She said, I'll take them all on. 
you're damn right. Where are you? You're not living your principles. So again, Beck just gets you more extreme by saying you're not you're not living you're not living your uh, your principles if you're not voting for. did is they, they spoke with, since there was a lot of prominent evangelicals that have endorsed Cruz, they wanted to know how they would respond to what Glenn Beck had said uh, as far as you know, not not having, well, you know, there's really two things. Number one was, did they believe Ted Cruz was filming a Mormon prophecy? And how do they feel about the fact that uh, you uh, it would be inconsistent with the Christian faith to not vote for Cruz or, or to to, uh, to support Trump's support Trump. Uh, Beck's attack, this is from the Breitbart piece, Beck's constant attacks on Trump's profession of Christian faith seem to be dominating news so that in some regards he's framing the discussion as a battle between himself and Trump for the soul of America rather than a battle between Cruz and Trump through Republican nomination for president. To date, however, the Cruz campaign has stood by Beck. Breitbart News reached out to the Cruz campaign to comment on Beck's statement, criticizing evangelicals who support Trump and not Cruz. Cruz campaign spokesperson Brian Phillips offered this response in an email statement. Are you guys going to write the story of Trump's decades-long association with some of the most liberal and corrupt people in New York? Seems like giving thousands of dollars to far-left-wing politicians like Chuck Schumer, Hillary Clinton, and David Deakins or disgraced officials like Anthony Weiner, Elliot Spitz, and Representative Charles Wrangell, or criminal felons facing under 30 years in prison, and even a guy who stole $90,000 from Little League Association would be worth a blog post or two, no nothing. And that that's the typical misdirection you get from politicians. Instead of, instead of defending Cruz or answering, answering the real questions, then they just attack the other guy. And that's part of the reason that we're really on the brink of tyranny, because in most elections, especially for federal offices, most people don't vote for someone they support. They're voting against someone. And that, that's part of the reason why we are the way we are. It's interesting, the Breitbart piece wants to say, none of the hundreds of evangelical leaders who've been included in the Cruz campaign's press releases of public endorsements have commented specifically on Glenn Beck's statements that real Christians, and especially re- re- real evangelical Christians, won't vote for Trump. Neither Tony, neither Tony Perkins, head of the Family Research Council, nor Dr. James Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family, both of whom have endorsed Cruz, respond to inquiries from Breitbart News to comment on the merits of Glenn Beck's recent comments. Nor have half a dozen evangelical pastors who live in the South and are included as endorsers in statements issued by the Cruz campaign. <laughs> uh, they didn't want to comment upon it because they know they know it's uh, it's ridiculous and they really they can't they can't defend it. Uh, you take a devout Mormon calling out Christians consistently living out their faith because they're not voting for Ted Cruz. Again, where where is we already see that I already quoted the misdirection from the Cruz campaign. Where is Ted himself if he believes in the God of the Bible? If he doesn't believe Jesus is created being like Glenn Beck, if he doesn't believe he's going to become a god like Glenn Beck, if he believes hell is eternal, you don't get a second chance unlike Glenn Beck. Uh, if he doesn't believe that Satan is Jesus' brother like Glenn Beck, if Ted Cruz obviously is not probably wearing the sacred Mormon underwear like Glenn Beck, uh, where's Ted Cruz on all this stuff, especially about his fulfilling Mormon prophecy? Uh, these are these are interesting times uh, we live in. And again, uh, to stress the main points, if you only remember anything I said tonight, it was uh, the gospel is only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ, through trusting him, through understanding that God became man, remained God. Jesus was sinless, he set aside his glory, became fully man, remained fully God. And he paid that penalty on Calvary, and he's risen. Uh, he's risen. You trust Christ, you realize you're a sinner, you trust Christ, you have eternal life. If not, you remain in your sins, you're born, you're born hostile to God, then you go to hell forever. If you only remember one thing, remember the gospel. Remember one thing about politics is this, don't let anyone shame you for who you do or don't vote for. Uh, uh, if, if you... 
if you believe in the Lord Jesus, again, you use certain principles, that's great. But but don't let anyone, particularly a occult, cultist like Lynn Beck, tell you that you're not consistent in your faith because you're not voting for his guy or you're voting for the other guy. Uh, it's just not true. Thank you again for, uh, to Pudgy Miller for giving me this opportunity. Pudgy will be back next Sunday night at 8 p.m. on the KIRP radio show. Thank you for listening. K-I-R-P Radio!